Hello everyone, welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we have our normal Monday topic, which if you are new to here, um, every Monday I release an episode that is um, faith, politics, or history, or they tend to circle around those topics. Um, and then Thursdays are our Bible study days. So for today's topic, which you probably have seen the title, so you know, but today's topic is Sukkot, which is a Jewish holiday. Um, I have been very, very intrigued, and I'll kind of go into this um, later in the podcast, but about Jewish holidays, I've recently just started being like very trying to research them in depth because the more I read about the Old Testament and the more I read about all the festivals and the holidays and um, just as I start paying attention more also to like Jewish culture and Jewish tradition because of me reading the Old Testament, it has really highlighted like my confusion I guess about why we do not celebrate these holidays and I will be doing a podcast episode about like going into the history of early Christianity and why maybe we don't celebrate these once I kind of find them find out that reason I have a feeling it's just early Christianity wanted to separate from the Jewish culture who didn't believe in uh, Jesus and so things got separated and that's why we don't celebrate these anymore but I do believe that most of these have like a still a very valid reason for why we should be celebrating them or why it doesn't go against Christianity to celebrate these Jewish holidays so we are talking about Sukkot today the reason that this specific holiday was on the at the forefront of my mind is because it just happened this is the last day of Sukkot today actually um, when this goes up and I was in New York with my cousin visiting her, getting a tour of the city. It was so fun. Um, but we went to this restaurant, Peter Luger's in Brooklyn. And to get there, there you kind of have to go. It's it's kind of around this pocket of like Orthodox Jewish, like a, an Orthodox Jewish community. And they were all setting up the sukkahs which I'll get into, um, but they were all carrying around these four kinds, which is like this big green leaf and a lemon, a citron, um, and then building the suko or sukkahs in the street. And so it was happening while I was in New York and there was a very large kind of Orthodox Jewish community. So I was like, wait, I need to do some more research about why we don't celebrate this what it is, why we do it. I had an idea of it because one of my favorite movies ever is called Ush Pazin. And um, I don't exactly know why I watched this so many times as a kid. My family is very into Jewish culture. I don't really know how we found this movie. I think it was from this like one of these very small artsy theaters. But anyway, I would highly recommend it. It's called Ush Pazin. It's this movie of Orthodox Jews celebrating this holiday, Sukkot. And they have guests and they're trying to have a baby and it goes through their whole holiday. There's kind of a fiasco with these terrible guests that they have. Um, but anyway, it's like one of my favorite movies ever. And we watched it when we were in New York, me and Camille. So um, I went, you know, that is basically why I wanted to go so in depth with researching this in particular. I think I probably mentioned it a little bit during some of my like Exodus studies or, you know, kind of the early Old Testament as the Israelites are moving through the wilderness. And, you know, when they um, are following the cloud of smoke, you know, that God is telling them to follow. So 
they had to camp in these temporary structures so that if the cloud of smoke moved, which was God telling them to move through the wilderness, they could pack it up and leave and follow this at a moment's notice. So that's kind of the origins of it, but we will get into all the details of that. So let's get into the episode. Okay, so let's get into what Sukkot is and what the traditions are and why. So um, Sukkot is a national public holiday in Israel. It is widely celebrated by, you know, all Jewish people. Messianic Jews also celebrate um, Sukkot, which we will get into a little bit more later as well. But it comes five days after Yom Kippur always. So Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. Um, that's where kind of the um, judgment of God is kind of sealed on that day. So it's kind of your last day to um, atone for your sins and um, ask forgiveness and make things right with God, essentially. So that is Yom Kippur. Five days after that, it starts Sukkot um, or Sukkoth. I've seen it either way with an H. So it's S-U-K-K-O-T. Um, and sometimes it has an H at the end. But it is always celebrated it's um the 15th day of the month tishri or tishri that is a jewish month um there's a different calendar that gets referenced in the old testament that is like the the jewish or the hebrew calendar so one of the months there is tishri and the um, sukkot is known as the jewish harvest festival it begins on the 15th day of that month so Like I said, it's the Harvest Festival. It's really celebrating the unity of all Jews and it commemorates how God led them through the wilderness because um, like I was mentioning, the Jews had to kind of camp in these temporary shelters and be ready at a moment's notice to move with the tabernacle through the wilderness. So that's what this is commemorating, how far, like how God brought them to the wilderness, also the unity of different types of Jews and um, a bountiful harvest. So it's a big celebration. So a lot of these are very, very joy-filled events. The whole festival spans for, I think it's eight days. So it's, um, or nine actually. So depending on where it's being celebrated, it's either eight or nine days. In Israel, the last two days are commenced or are condensed. <laughs> I said the wrong word. Condensed into one day, but other places they seem to celebrate it over the course of two days. So, um, let's get into a breakdown of the different days. So the first two days are called Yom Tov, and work is forbidden on these days. You cannot do any work. There are candles um, lit in the evening and a lot of kind of, there's a lot of rituals, I guess, or, you know, very specific things that, you know, are to be done on each day, certain prayers, certain blessings that are to be read. And so I will get into some of those. There's something called a kiddish that is recited. Um, and I looked up this article about what a kiddish is. Uh, or yeah, I guess what 
I, I didn't know what it was at all. So it sounds like it's wine, but it, I, like I thought it was wine at first, but it sounds like it's something that is recited. So let me just read from this article what this kiddish is because I believe it's just a ritual of both uh, words and drinking and the whole ritual around it. So this is done before you eat on the first two days. So Shabbat enters with words of wonder poured upon rich wine to fulfill the verse, remember this Sabbath day to sanctify it. We call it Kiddush, which Kiddush means sanctification, a blessing recited over a cup of wine expressing the sanctity of the Sabbath or of a festival. Okay, so yes, it's the recitation, but it's done over wine. Um, they repeat it. So, in, so enchanted are we by the Kiddush that we repeat it again in a different form by day. The Kiddush serves as the kickoff for the evening and daytime Shabbat meals. So the nighttime Kiddush consists of three parts, three verses from Genesis that recount how God rested on the seventh day and sanctified it because that makes sense. They're reciting it on the Sabbath, the blessing for the wine and a blessing thanking God for giving us the Shabbat. The daytime Kiddush consists of several verses from Exodus followed by the blessing on wine. Okay, so this is the Kiddush how-to. So there's like six steps to this. It says, on Friday night, sing the Shalom Aleichem to welcome the Shabbat angels and the ode to the women to the woman of valor. Rinse and dry the Kiddush cup, fill it to the brim with kosher wine. Gather everyone to stand around the Shabbat table, raise the wine-filled cup in your right hand, and recite the Kiddush aloud. On Friday night, gaze at the Shabbat candles as you say the first four words, then look at the wine in the cup while saying the wine blessing. All in attendance answer amen at the conclusion of the blessings, and then the person who is like leading it drinks at least an ounce and a half from the cup of wine, and then everyone else has a sip as well. So then these are the technical details, which is kind of interesting. Uh, wine is preferable, but kosher grape juice is okay. Don't eat or drink before Kiddush, starting from sundown of Friday night and after the prayers on Shabbat morning. Uh, if there is no wine or grape juice available, recite the Kiddush on challah bread. Uh, replace the wine blessing with the bread blessing in that case and wash the hands before saying the blessing. When someone has sipped from a cup of wine, the leftover wine should not be used for Kiddush unless there's unless fresh wine is added to the cup. So those are just the technicalities surrounding this, but they do this whole kind of ritual uh, before they eat and also have challah dipped in honey and there's like some festive meals that kind of symbolize harvest and things like that. So then it goes into intermediate days. So this is from nightfall on the third to I believe the seventh or the eighth day. So. Um, it's you have the first two days which are the beginning ones you have a final two days and then everything else is this intermediate day uh, so these are known as kind of like quasi holidays so they're not technically public holidays i believe in israel they're known as chal hamoed i probably pronounced that quite wrong but during this period you're supposed to dwell in the sukkah and take the four kinds every day except for Shabbat. Now, there was a lot of digging into what the four kinds were, what the dwelling in the sukkah meant. So when you dwell in the sukkah, it has to have at least like, so it's a temporary structure. 
And now in modern times, it I don't think it's changed that much other than maybe the material that the sides have uh, been made out of. But a suka must have at least three sides to it. It doesn't have to have the fourth side. It can be like a curtain or whatever. And then the top of it needs to be out of unprocessed leaves, basically, or, or greenery. And so part of the reason is that for people who dwell in the suka, you can look up at night, see the stars, and be reminded that there was a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. So it's a temporary shelter to remind them of the temporary shelters in the wilderness. And then you need to have a just a greenery roof so that you can see between the leaves to the stars. So that's what the sukkah is. You don't actually have to sleep in the sukkah um, in modern times. What does have to happen is those intermediate days, you must be eating meals, all your meals in that shelter. So, um, some people do sleep in it, some people don't. It's kind of up to the person or the family that, you know, that is taking part in this festival. So, um, that's kind of up to interpretation, but everyone will eat the meals in the sukkah. Okay, so then taking the four kinds. When I first read this, I thought it meant eat them. I thought it meant like you take the four kinds every day as in like you have a salad with the four kinds. I don't know. Because in this Ushpazine movie, he was eating a salad, this greenery, and he had lemon on it. And he goes, oh, you know, what a great lemon. Well, it turns out that was one of the four kinds citron that he had spent a lot of money on as a blessing to have a baby boy. Um, so you don't eat it. <laughs> That's not what taking the four kinds means. So I pulled up this article. This is all from Ch Shabbat or Chabad. <laughs> Org. I really need to practice my Hebrew pronunciation here, but this website is super, super helpful in explaining things in Jewish culture. So let me read part of this. Every day of Sukkot, except for Sabbath, we take the Arba Minim, aka the four kinds. Sukkot is a seven-day holiday starting on 15th Tishrei and concluding 21 Tishrei. Now, it says seven days because I believe the last two days are technically categorized as a different holiday, but it's kind of batched into the same time frame. So that's just a disclaimer there. So what are the four kinds? The four kinds are a palm branch, two willows, and a minimum of three myrtles, uh, and one citron. So again, in the movie and in real life, you see these Orthodox Jewish men, mostly men, which um, I have now figured out that it is required for men to take the four kinds every day. It's not an obligation for women to, but it's encouraged. So you see a lot of men in this movie and in real life walking around with this very long greenery stick thing. And I always thought that that was one of the kinds. And then the citron was a second kind. But it turns out there three of the kinds are greenery. And so they bundle them together. It looks like this big, long, greenery wand sort of thing. Uh, it's pretty long. I would say it's like two or three feet long, uh, between two or three feet. So the three kinds are bundled together, the palm branch, the two willows, and the three myrtles. And then you have one citron. So these are kind of a group. And what taking the four ones means, the four kinds, what that means, 
is, let me scroll down to this thing. Okay, so it says, hold the lulav in your right hand with its spine facing you. So that's like the big bundle of the, the three kinds. Um, so then you say this blessing, which says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us regarding taking the lulav. Pick up the citron in your left hand. Then it says on the first day of Sukkot, or the first time on Sukkot you get to do this, at this point say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this occasion. They say that in Hebrew. Then you bring those two together. So the lulav and the citron. It, the Hebrew name is etrog. I really should have written down how to pronounce these before. But you bring those two together, the three kinds bundle and the citron, and that is the custom. But it says, nevertheless, the custom is to wave the arba, minim, in all six directions, south, north, east, up, down, and west. And you shake them as you say these. It says, take along your arba minim to the synagogue for the morning services. We wave them again during the Hallel prayer and then parade them around the synagogue during the Hasha, ano, Hasha Anot ceremony. Okay, so it says Jewish unity is one of the central themes of the Sukkot. The four kinds you are holding symbolize the four types of Jews with differing levels of Torah knowledge and observance. Bringing them together represents our unity as a nation, despite our external differences. So in the spirit of unity, be sure to share your Arba Minim with your Jewish friends and neighbors. So like it said, this is all about Jewish unity. It's all about remembering what God has done for the Jews, everyone coming together and celebrating that you know, they're still here, that God has taken care of them, and that they are kind of a centralized nation, even though Jews are spread out and have a lot of differences, like it said. So that I thought was super interesting because, well, so when I, before I researched this, but I had watched Ushpazin, I knew that there were these like greenery things in the lemp, in the citron and that kind of thing. I didn't know what they symbolized at all, but Right before Sukkot started, I flew back from New York to Denver and I saw a lot of Jewish men on my flight that had their, you know, bundle of the four kinds in this like special package thing. So, you know, it would be protected. And then they were carrying it through the airport with their families. They would have to like, you know, pack it in the overhead bin, I think, and then bring it down. But it's kind of delicate. So it would be a little bit nerve wracking to fly on the plane with these plants. But it was very interesting because I don't know if I would have really fully understood or realized like what that was if I wasn't already thinking about me researching for Sukkot and just watching, watching Ushpazin again and things like that. So I thought that was really great timing. And I was just so intrigued by the fact that, yes, people are are flying, you know, to pr presumably to spend this, the holiday with family or, you know, wherever their preferred celebration um, spot is, but they had to bring this bundle of the four kinds. So I thought that was very, very cool. Okay, then the final two days are actually a separate holiday, as I mentioned. So Sukkot is seven days, then these final two days are a separate holiday. It's Shemini Atzeret and 
Simchatorum. Again, that is not how you pronounce it, but that's as good as it's going to get. So Simchatorum is September 27th through the 29th of 2021, because it goes from like sundown uh, that the 27th to, I believe, sundown the 29th. So it says, following the seven joyous days of Sukkot, we come to the happy holiday of sh- uh, what I just said. In the diaspora, the first day is known by its biblical name. We still dwell in the Sukkah, but without a blessing. So when you're dwelling in the Sukkah, Sukkah usually there's a special blessing that you know goes along with it. These final two days, you don't have to do that. Yizkor is a memorial for the departed. It's, all, it's said on that day. The second day... The, uh, during which we complete and immediately begin the annual Torah reading cycle. So, Jewish custom is to read the Torah annually. This is what starts that. This joyous milestone is marked with dancing, traditionally following seven circuits known as the Hakafot, as the Torah scrolls are held aloft. So, this is like the kickoff, the big joyous celebration. Like everything I've read about this says it's so joyful. There's dancing. It's so festive because you kind of go at, in through what they describe as an emotional roller coaster, a religious kind of roller coaster um, through Sukkot because you have the Day of Atonement. There's like kind of mourning or, you know, repenting for your sins, getting in the right frame of reference I guess with God again and that's the day of atonement then five days later you start Sukkot which it's kind of more reverent like you recite all these blessings and you're remembering the history and then there's a memorial and things like that but then the last day or the last two days is dancing and joy joyous you know festivities it's like very very joyous both days are celebrated by nightly candle lighting festive meals both day night and day and no work is allowed so in israel this two-day holiday is compacted into one 24-hour period so it's only one day is uh that final holiday so that is sukkot and I wanted to read some from another just like sub article on that same Shabbat website because it gave a lot of great background about what Sukkot really uh, means. So this one has kind of more like historical reference. It says of all the Jewish holidays, Sukkot is the only one whose date does not seem to commemorate a historic event. The Torah refers to it by two big names. Um, and I'm not going to try the Hebrew pronunciations, but in English, they translate to the Festival of Ingathering or Harvest Festival and the Festival of Booths, each expressing a reason for the holiday. In Israel, crops grow in the winter and are ready for harvest in the late spring. Some of them remain out in the field to dry for a few months and are only ready to harvest in the early fall. So this holiday is a time to express appreciation for this bountiful harvest. The name Shag Hasukot commemorates the temporary dwellings God made to shelter our ancestors on their way out of Egypt. Some say this refers to the miraculous clouds of glory that shielded us from the desert sun, while others say it referred to the tents in which they dwelled for their 40-year trek through the Sinai Desert. So, 
this is what I kind of mentioned before. There's really two reasons for it, the Harvest Festival and the Festival of Booths, which is like the booth that they dwelled in. So that's pretty well established. There's kind of multiple meanings to that too. But it says for seven days and nights, we eat all our meals in the sukkah, otherwise regarded as home. You have to be under the open sky and the top, to be more specific, I did mention the greenery stuff, but you ha it has to be out of unprocessed natural veg vegetation. So a lot of people put bamboo or pine boughs or palm branches. Those are kind of the three major uh, types to cover the sukkah with. The goal is to spend as much time as possible in the sukkah. So there's a minimum that you have to do, which is eating all the meals in there. But, you know the goal is to spend as much time in there as possible. You don't technically, again, have to sleep in there, but a lot of people choose to do that just to spend more time in there. Um, you, the, Okay, the Shabbat practice is to not eat or drink anything outside the sukkah. So everything you eat has to be in there. So not only are you eating your big meals in there, but if you have a snack, people will go into the sukkah to eat that. Okay. Um, yeah, so then this article then goes into taking the four kinds, which I mentioned. They wave them in all six directions and then march them around the synagogue. I just love celebrations like this because it feels so unifying for like the Jewish people. I just love tradition. Part of the reason why I've been kind of attracted to the Catholic Church is because of the tradition that is in you know instilled in the Catholic Church and like Catholic Mass and things this all these Jewish holidays are even more intriguing to me and more attractive to me I guess because there's so much history rooted in it it goes way way back to like the Israelites and you know them going through the wilderness and it's so historic and feels like you're like getting connected to a part of history which is why I'm also so kind of upset that we never the Christians ever do these holidays because I feel like now modern Christianity is so disconnected from like our early historical roots that we think, oh, well, that's just a Jewish holiday when we really came from that or grafted into the tree, you know, and our history is that Jewish history. Um, you know, that's where our faith came from. That was a whole foundation of our faith. So I don't really get why we don't do these holidays. It's very frustrating to me. Um, but part of my this podcast and part of me researching all this is to realize like wh what I believe about them and you know figure out if I I guess personally want to celebrate it which would kind of be hard because no one in my family celebrates these <laughs> um I think my aunt and uncle celebrated Purim um and some of the the Jewish holidays but that was I think more when they were in Israel so it's not something that once we've all been in the United States, something that has been, you know, we're not building sukkahs out in our backyard, but part of me wants to, <laughs> like, um, should I be doing this? Because I think this is a very valid holiday for Christians. So, um, there's a lot, I'll link this article because there's a lot more background information on like how it would be celebrated when there was a temple and the sacrifices that would be made and things like that. Um, so, and talks about just the crazy amount of joy in this uh, holiday, especially the last two days, like the eighth day, um, because that's just when the joyous celebration kicks off, the Torah reading kicks off, and so it's very, very fun. Like I mentioned, Messianic Jews also celebrate this holiday 
and I guess that fits into kind of like my um, questioning about why we don't celebrate these. I feel like my beliefs really line up with Messianic Jews more than just traditional American Christianity. Um, and I was also looking up as a side note, I'll do a whole Yom Kippur episode, but Messianic Jews also tend to celebrate Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, which I thought that you would not because we have the ultimate atonement in Jesus and they celebrated more from what I've read as a historical event where they recognize like we don't need to do this anymore but Jesus is now our full atonement so they still celebrate the day of atonement but it's really a celebration of Jesus so um, and then again I just want to mention that there are there's a lot of variation in how people celebrate this some sleep in the sukkah some don't some eat everything there um, well I guess some spend all their time there uh, plus eating some only eat in the sukkah some eat there on the eighth day but not the ninth because the ninth day is like split up into a separate holiday than the eighth so it varies a lot but the whole beauty of the holiday is that everyone is united everyone is praying for unity everyone's praising the lord for the unity of the jewish people so i just think this is like a great holiday and i have loved learning about it and it was so cool to see everyone's sukkahs in new york because I kind of forget that this is like a modern day thing. You don't see it a ton, at least where I am. But in New York, there's a big Jewish population. So you did get to see it. And it was so cool to be there during this time. So that is all I have for this episode on Sukkot. Let me know your um, opinions about celebrating these Jewish holidays. I know there's widely varying opinions among Christians um, about if we should be celebrating this or not. But let me know. I'm always very curious by your opinions. Make sure you go follow me on Instagram at Abby Rancor. I also have um, new kind of Bible YouTube videos coming up on um, my Abby Rancor YouTube channel. So make sure to check all that out. Follow me on all the social media platforms, all that kind of stuff. Hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on Thursday for our Bible episode. See everyone there. Bye.